Just open our hearts up, Lord, like like flowers uh, opening up to the sun, that we would be wide open to hear your word, to have you strengthen us, heal us, direct us, encourage us, all the things you love to do through your word. Come and bring spiritual growth. Come and bring salvation, Lord, faith, for those who maybe don't know you yet. And bring glory to your name as we open up your word and study it together now. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're starting a brand new sermon series, which I'm calling The Fight of Faith. And what I'm praying will happen through this sermon series is that we can figure out and go deeper in what does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ in some of the everyday, ordinary situations that we face. Like, for example, you fill up your car, 60 bucks, and uh, your budget was tight when it was still $30 to fill up your car. And so, concretely, specifically, without cliches or just kind of vague ambiguities, what does it mean, really, to trust Jesus Christ as you're driving away from the gas station thinking, how's this going to work? What does it mean? Or... What does it mean to trust Jesus when your son brings home a report card that's very disappointing? What does it mean with that circumstance to trust Jesus Christ, to have faith in Jesus Christ? Or what does it mean to to have faith in Jesus Christ when you don't feel like reading the scriptures? Or what does it mean to trust Jesus Christ when your husband or wife is sexually unresponsive to you in your marriage? What does it mean to trust Jesus in that kind of a setting? What does it mean to trust Jesus when somebody in your home group has said something hurtful to you? Or where you wake up one morning and your heart feels empty and you can't think of anything in your life that's going well? What does it mean to trust Jesus Christ in those kind of nitty-gritty situations? Or like when you're gripped with guilt over some past action, maybe a month ago or ten years ago, and you're just gripped and weighed down with guilt over what you've done. What does it mean to trust Jesus Christ in in those kinds of everyday, real-life situations? That's what we want to talk about in these next weeks. And the starting place to answer that question is we've got to be clear on what faith is. Right? If we don't know what faith is, we won't know how it's supposed to look in those situations. And that's what I want to drill into this morning. What is faith? And the passage that I have found over the years most helpful in helping me understand what faith is, it's Romans chapter 4. So I'd like you to turn there. And if you need a Bible, we want to pass one out to you. Go ahead and raise your hand. Romans 4 is on page 941 in the Bibles that we're passing out. Let me give a little bit of background about Romans. Book of Romans, written about 57 A.D. by Paul. God had confronted Paul on this road to Damascus where he was going to throw some Christians into prison. Jesus confronted him there, saved him, taught him the gospel from Jesus right to Paul. And the book of Romans is Paul's statement of the gospel. He sends this letter to Rome. He'd never been there before, but he sent it ahead of him because he wanted them to get to know him through reading his gospel so that they would be encouraged to financially support him as he went to unreached people groups in Spain. That was Paul's intention. And so he wrote the book of Romans as a summary of the gospel so that they would be encouraged to support his mission. So let me give you a brief recap of Romans up to chapter 4. Chapters 1 and 2. 
Paul starts off with the bad news. And that is that we've all sinned against God and face his wrath forever for our sins. That's chapters 1 and 2. And then chapter 3, Paul says that we cannot escape from God's wrath by trying to be good enough. Get off that, you know, squirrel wheel. It's not going to happen. You can't escape God's wrath by trying to be good enough. The only way to escape from God's wrath, there is a way, by God's mercy and grace, and it's through trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 4, Paul wants to make sure people are clear on what it means to have faith in Jesus, to trust Jesus. And so in chapter 4, he explains faith. And that's why I want to dig into Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 25, where Paul explains what faith is. But now before we get there, I want to lay a little bit of a stronger foundation on why faith is so important. Why is it so absolutely crucial that you today have faith in Jesus Christ? I mean, you, you may be here uh, new, or maybe you've been here a couple of times, and you're, you're growing in your understanding of who Jesus is, but you haven't yet come to the place where you're trusting Jesus. And so you may be wondering, you know, honestly, why is it important to trust Jesus? Just like, what's the bottom line reason? Paul gives us the bottom line reason right here in Romans chapter 4. Look at what he says in verse 16. Romans 4, verse 16. He says, it's first seven words. We'll do the rest of the words in a moment, but look at the first seven words, Romans 4, verse 16. He says, that is why it depends on faith. It depends on faith. There's something that depends on faith. And what that is, Paul has already explained in in verses 1 through 15 of Romans chapter 4. He's used different phrases to describe what it is that depends on faith. But I think the most clear statement is in verse 3 of Romans chapter 4. Here's what it is that depends on faith. Paul says, for what does the scripture say? And then he quotes from the book of Genesis about the life of Abraham. Quote, Abraham believed God, had faith in God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So what it is that depends on faith, what depends on faith is God's gift of perfect righteousness. That's what depends on faith. Now, why is it so important to have this gift of God's perfect righteousness? God wants to give you His gift of perfect righteousness. What is that? Why is that so important? Here's why. The Bible teaches that God is holy, which means he is morally flawless. God is perfectly good, loving, kind, faithful, righteous, just. There is not even a speck of moral imperfection in God, which is good news. Or he couldn't be trusted. So God is holy. The problem, though, is that that means that God cannot have a loving relationship with anything that's sinful. He can be patient for a while, but he can't enter into a full-blown loving relationship with anything sinful. Now, why is that bad news for us? Because that rules all of us out of ever having a loving relationship in any long-term way 
with God. God can be patient with us. We're grateful that He is, but He cannot, because He's holy, enter into a a loving relationship with people that are sinful. And so, unless God has a way to make us, to, to give us a gift of perfect righteousness, He can never have a loving relationship with us. That's exactly what God has done. Look at how he's done it in verses 22 through 25. Romans 4, 22 through 25. Look at what Paul says. Here's how. That is why his, Abraham's faith, was counted to him as righteousness. Here's how Abraham received the gift of perfect righteousness. But the words, quote, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone. This is not just about Abraham back in Genesis 15, verse 6. So the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted. That is, a gift of perfect righteousness will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So here's what that means. We've all sinned against God. But in great kindness and love and compassion and mercy, like we've been singing about this morning, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they decided to have Jesus come to the earth 2,000 years ago. And he lived on earth a perfect, a morally perfect life, a life of perfect righteousness. I mean, read the Gospels. It's astonishing. Jesus perfection, moral, there's not just a, not even a speck, never a wrong word, never a, a, a wrong thought or attitude or action, never. Righteous, 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 100% pure righteousness. So he came and lived that life and he died on the cross, a horrible death. And God set things up So that when you trust Jesus Christ, when you have faith in Jesus Christ, here's what happens. All of your sin, past, present, future, all the guilt of your sin, is punished in Jesus on the cross. So that all the guilt that you deserve, all the punishment you deserve, the wrath from God you deserve was already poured out upon Jesus. So you will face never again any more wrath from God for your sin has all been punished already. So all your sin put upon Jesus, he was punished in our place. And all of Jesus' perfect righteousness was given to you as a gift. And so if you're trusting Jesus, here's what this means. I just just love, this is the foundation of the whole Christian life. If you get this wrong, it's going to be really, really tough for you if you even make it. Okay, foundation's vital. When you're trusting Jesus, you stand before him perfectly righteous. Not because you and yourself are perfectly righteous. You're not. Until heaven, you will be, but now you're not but because he's given you the gift. He's clothed you with Jesus' perfect righteousness. You, welcomed by God as perfectly righteous in Christ. Me, welcomed by God as perfectly righteous in Christ. By faith alone, through Christ alone, to God's glory alone, because it's through his mercy alone that we have that. And that's why faith is so important. Do you feel that? That's why. Because God's gift of perfect righteousness is only given to those who trust Jesus. It's only given to those who have faith in Jesus Christ. If you're not trusting Jesus, please listen to this. This is why it's so important. If you're learning about Jesus, this is why you need to learn. And we want to urge you to put your trust in Jesus today. 
It's because if you're not trusting Jesus, you are not clothed with His perfect righteousness. And if you're not clothed with His perfect righteousness, God cannot enter into a loving relationship with you. And you do face His wrath forever. Unless you receive His love, what He's done in Jesus, and, and welcome His gift and trust in Jesus Christ. Picture it like this. Picture a room full of the treasures of God's goodness, kindness, benevolence, faithfulness, care, the joy of knowing God, all in this room, but the doors closed, shut, and locked because of our sin. But the good news is in great kindness and love and mercy, God has given you the key to open up the door of that room. And the key is faith in Jesus Christ. Trusting Jesus. So if you receive this key and you put the key down, and you walk away from the room, you'll never experience the love, the joy, the the faithfulness that God wants to give to you. Or if you put the, the key down and try to go into the room by being good enough, or by meditating, or by doing random acts of kindness, or by learning lots of the Bible, okay, that's important, but... The key is faith in Jesus Christ, okay? So if you take that key and you use that key and you trust in Jesus Christ, the door opens. You're clothed with God's perfect righteous gift in Christ and you are welcomed and accepted and have all the benefits of all the wonderful things that God wants to do for you. That's why faith is so crucial. Got it? Okay, now, what is faith then? That's why it's so important. What is faith? And Paul gives us a hint in the rest of verse 16. Look at all of verse 16. He says, that's why it, this gift of Jesus' perfect righteousness, depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. God's grace. Not us trying to be good, but God's grace. And be guaranteed to all his Abraham's offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, that is, the Jews but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So to receive God's gift of perfect righteousness, we need to share the faith of Abraham. We need to have faith like Abraham had. That's how we know that we will receive this perfect gift, is if we have faith like Abraham had directed towards Jesus Christ. So here's how it works. Abraham lived 2,000 years ago, uh, sorry, 2,000 years before Christ, 4,000 years ago, roughly, And Abraham was a moon-worshipping idolater. Did you know that? And God called Abraham. Stop that. I'm the true God. Have faith in me. Trust me. And then God told Abraham, here's what it means to have faith in me. And so Abraham lived having faith in God. Moses wrote down for us how Abraham lived having faith in God. Paul wrote down for us in this chapter what it meant for Abraham to live having faith in God. And we can read this and learn what it means to have faith in God through Jesus Christ. And as I studied the rest of this section, verses 17 through 21, I saw three characteristics of Abraham's faith that have really helped me yesterday and early this morning uh, to, to, to have faith. So let me, let's look over these. Three characteristics of Abraham's faith. First one, which might seem obvious to you, is that faith means trusting God. Look at verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. Abraham believed in God. 
He trusted in God. Now you might think, well, that's obvious. That's what everybody means by faith. But it's not. Many, many people in our culture today think that faith means believing in yourself. How many know people who, when they they talk about faith, it's believing in yourself? Many, many people in our culture, a very self-oriented culture, lots of people think that faith means believing in ourselves. But God did not tell Abraham to believe in himself. Might sound like it's a shock to you, but it's never. Never in the Bible are we told to believe in ourselves. Abraham believed in God. Now, if you just think about it, it'll make sense. I mean, compare yourself with God. Yourself with God. Okay? If that doesn't help, picture it this way. Let's say that that you have a a big chasm you have to cross here. This big, deep, hello, 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 deep chasm here. And you've got to get across. And there's only two ways to get across. This one way, sign says, yourself. Okay? You look down. Looks a little questionable. It says old, rickety, like there's two ropes going across, and man, that's like frayed right there, and there's even there's some it's tied together over there, and there's like these termite-eaten boards, a couple of them slatted across, and so yourself, okay, hmm, looks a little trouble. Then you go over here, whoa, God, an eight-lane concrete bridge built on massive iron girders. I mean, it's just like rock solid. I mean, it's just like not going anywhere. Okay, so you just got to sit back and think, have faith in God, believe in God, or believe in myself. Abraham believed in God. I would recommend you do the same. But there's another way that we can miss believing in God, a little more subtle. So listen to this very carefully. It's by thinking that faith means nothing more than believing truths about God. It's the thinking that faith is just believing truths about God. Now listen very carefully. It is vital that you believe truths about God. You cannot have genuine faith if you don't believe truths about God. That is essential. But biblical faith is more than just believing truths about God. Because you can believe truths about God without any heart, personal connection between you and the living God. Right? So while Abraham trusted, believed truths about God, he also had a heart connection, a personal, relational connection of faith with the living God himself. So let's take an example. Let's say you wanted to have faith and you're driving to a job interview that you really, really want to get. You want this job. You need this job. You're hoping for this job. And you're driving to this job interview. And what if you're saying to yourself, I can do this. My resume is looking good. I've got the qualifications. I'm good at, you know, interpersonal questions. You know, I've read the books on how to answer the interview questions. I can do this. I believe in myself. I can do this. Is that the faith that Abraham had? No. Okay? All right, so what if instead of that, you believe in truths about God? So you're driving and you're saying to yourself, God is going to take care of this. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. God's going to work it out for good. You don't worry. You know, it goes around, comes around. You know, whatever kind of different phrases or slogans you want to use. Is that having faith in God? God. Well, it's much better than the other one of believing in yourself. 
Much better. It's an improvement. And it's moving in the direction of faith. But if that's where it stops, it's not full faith. It's not what Abraham had. Because he had a heart connection of faith with the living God. A personal heart connection. Not just believing truths about God, but trusting God. Knowing God. Loving God. The person of God. Knowing Him. So this is really crucial. Because something very powerful happens. When you move from just saying, God will take care of me. When you move from that to, God, you will take care of me. I trust you to take care of me. That's where the power comes. Some of you, most of your faith is saying to yourself truths about God. And there's very little heart connection between you and God himself. Please get this. That's where it all happens. It's you knowing God. It's you knowing Jesus. A personal heart connection. Not just, God loves me. God's going to work it out for good. He's going to take care of me. But God, you love me. God, you're going to take care of me. God, you're going to protect me. Powerful things happen when you and your heart connect to the living God and trust him. So that's the first point, is that faith means trusting God. Second, faith means trusting God for your needs. So what Abraham did. Look at verse 18. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he'd been told, so shall your offspring be. Here's the story of Abraham. Abraham longed for children. Sarah longed for children, but Sarah was not able to have children. Okay? And God did something unusual in the case of Abraham, and he came and he promised Abraham, I'm going to give you children, lots and lots of children. Wonderful promise. Years went by, no children. Decades went by, no children. And now Abraham was over 100 years old, and Sarah was well past childbearing years. And Abraham, though, still longed for children. And so for Abraham, faith meant trusting God with his longing for children. Bringing his longing before God. Here's why I want to stress this. I would guess that some of you, maybe a number of you, you trust Jesus for salvation and for forgiveness of sins and for heaven and for the gift of perfect righteousness, which is wonderful. But you have longings and needs and hurts and pains that you hold back from Jesus. That you don't trust Jesus for. And is it faith if you trust Jesus or trust some of Jesus' promises? for forgiveness and heaven and eternal life, but you don't trust Jesus' promises, the things he promises about some past hurtful situations or about a financial pressure that you're facing or about a a puzzlement about a situation you're facing. Is it faith if you trust three of Jesus' promises and you don't trust the rest of his promises? Is that faith? I don't think so. If I trust Jan, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 
Am I trusting Jan? No. Jesus has given us promises that cover every single need that we have. And if you are struggling with the need that you're holding back from trusting Jesus, you're not trusting Jesus. And I want this to be good news to you. Because if you're trusting Jesus only for forgiveness of sins and only for salvation, as wonderful as that is, He has... I mean, that's awesome. But He has more for you about your present needs and frustrations and struggles and difficulties. For example, let's say you're frustrated about the lack of communication in your marriage. Okay, it gives you pain, makes you angry, makes you bitter. But you're trusting Jesus for forgiveness of sins and for salvation and for heaven, which is really a good thing to do. But see, God has more for you than that. He wants you to bring your pain about your lack of communication in marriage to Him and to trust Him about that as well. To talk to Him about that. Father, our communication just really stinks. I'm I'm bitter. What can I do? Help me. Strengthen me. Comfort me. Meet me here. I'm in need here. Too many Christians don't understand that Jesus wants you to trust him for all of your longings and needs, not just the ones that have to do with salvation. And some of you trust Jesus for your salvation needs, and you're carrying on your own these other needs that you have. I just want to clarify, I'm going to be talking about this more next week. I don't at all want to imply that every longing and need that you have, Jesus is going to answer exactly as you're hoping that he will. Okay? We've all got longings that Jesus has better plans for. Okay? And we'll be talking about that more next week. He does something even better than give us every longing that we have. What he does for us is he satisfies our hearts completely with himself. When we come to him with a, a longing, Lord, improve, my communica- improve our communication in our marriage, he promises he will always satisfy you with himself. Fill you with himself. So then you'll be able to love your husband or love your wife. Even if they continue unresponsive in communication, you'll be able to love and forgive and be at peace. Just like Ernie was talking about. The peace in your heart that comes from knowing Jesus will flow out to the relationships around you, even if others around you are unresponsive. But the point is that faith means trusting God for your needs. Do you have needs that you have not brought before Jesus, that you've not shared with Jesus, you haven't talked to Jesus about them, you haven't opened up to Jesus about them. Do you have needs like that? Think about it. Please, please, don't hold those back from Jesus any longer. Take them to Him this morning. There's a whole other dimension of what Jesus wants to do for you that you haven't experienced. If you have longings and pains and frustrations and hurts and questions and confusion that you haven't brought before Jesus and wrestled with Jesus about. Ah, it's so powerful. So faith means trusting God for your needs. Third, last point. Faith means trusting God for your needs according to His promises in Christ Jesus. According to his promises in Christ Jesus. Look at verses 18 through 21. In hope, and as Abraham hoped for children, he believed against hope. That is, in spite of all the the earthly voices that would say, don't have any hope, you're 100 years old, it's not going to happen. So, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. 
He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So notice the emphasis on promises there. Verse 21, what he promised. Verse 20, the promise of God. Abraham longed for children. God did something unusual and said, you're going to have children. In fact, in verse 18, God takes him out to look at the stars and says, so shall your offspring be. See all the stars? That's what your offspring is going to be like. So Abraham had a promise directly from God about what God was going to do. Promised directly from God. And so for Abraham to have faith in God meant to trust the, the promise that God had spoken to him back in Genesis chapter 15. So shall your offspring be. So for Abraham, faith meant trusting God for his needs, for his longings, according to God's promise. And for us in the New Testament, now that we have an even more full revelation of who God is in Jesus Christ, faith means trusting God for our needs and our longings, according to his promise, his promises, which are true in Christ Jesus. But faith means trusting the promises that God's given to us in the Word. See, this book is full of God's promises. God loves to do wonderful things for undeserving people like us. He's got dozens of things he wants to do for you this afternoon. He does. He has dozens of things he wants to do for you tomorrow. The God of the universe, your creator God, has dozens of things he wants to do for you Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And in this book, he's written the things that he wants to do for you, his promises. So the question is, how many of his promises do you know? Do you know what he's promised to do? I mean, imagine that you had a very rich uncle who you didn't even know about. Very rich, don't even know about him. His lawyer calls you up, says... Your uncle, who's very rich, you don't even know about him, but he just died, okay? And uh, I'm calling you because he mentioned you in his will. And he mentioned 53 things that he wants to do for you in his will. Would you like to know what they are? Now, how many of them would you want to know? My guess is you'd be flying there immediately or driving there and you want to know all 53 and is there anything else? Can I read the rest of it, please? Okay, or you want to make sure you get every single one. You wouldn't want to miss a one. In the same way, here's the will, if you will, and God has listed all the things he wants to do for you that make anything that your rich uncle could do for you look like nothing in comparison. What the living God wants to do for you. And there's hundreds of statements of what God has promised to do for us in the scriptures. And so I want to encourage you to learn the promises. Your faith in God is only as strong as the promises that you are aware of. If faith is not based in a promise, at best it's vague and kind of bland. I mean, you might just, for you, faith might mean God's going to work it all out. Well, what does that mean? How? To what end? In what way? See, God tells us the specifics in his word, in his promises. He gives us specifics of what he wants to do for us with all kinds of different situations that we face. For example, Thursday morning, I woke up about five in the morning from a really bizarre dream, bad dream. 
strain, you know, but when you wake up at five, dreams like there's, they have, they have, even as bizarre as they are at 10 in the morning, at five in the morning, they, they have, a, you know, a, a semblance of reality to them. And am I the only one? Okay, you, you experience that too, right? Okay. And this dream was all about something that just made major financial insecurity. And so there I was at five in the morning, feeling tremendously insecure financially. Okay, that's where I, I was at. And so I needed to get security about finances. And so the question is, what does God promise about financial security in, in the Word? And thankfully, at, at 5.01, roughly, what came into my mind was Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, where Paul says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now that is a securing promise at 5.01, 5.02 in the morning. And so I, I, I thought about that promise. I talked to Jesus about that promise. Said, Thank you, Jesus, that you've promised to supply all of my needs. It's according to your riches that are in you, they are in Christ Jesus. Help me to trust you for that. Thank you that you've got all under control. What a strange dream. Help me to get that out of my mind. And I think by around 5.05 or 5.10, I was back asleep, which is pretty cool, Okay. But see, it's so pivotal to have a promise. If you don't have a promise, what are you going to do at 5.01, 5.02 in the morning? And so it's, it's so important that you know God's promises. I would encourage you to start a project of learning God's promises. I've been doing this for many, many years. In fact, I didn't bring it, but I, I found yesterday a, a little card that has 1 Samuel 12.22 on it. And I remembered holding that card in my hand 23 years ago down in Newport Beach as I was walking by Fashion Island at a time when Jan and I were facing some significant financial stress. 1 Samuel 12.22, I've got that same card. I love, I love that card. It's a little bit like the edges are kind of frayed and it's kind of messed up, but there it is. And what 1 Samuel 12.22 says, God says, The Lord will not abandon His people on account of his great name. Because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. And I'll never forget walking, I forget the name of the street, but right by Fashion Island down there in Newport Beach, reading that promise, talking to Jesus about that promise, and just this wave of security came over me. This wave of peace came over me. God is not going to abandon me. And he didn't. Things turned around in the next couple of weeks after that. But I would encourage you to start a project of learning God's promises. If over these next weeks, we're going to figure out what does it mean to trust Jesus when you don't feel like praying? What does it mean to trust Jesus when you're being tempted sexually? What does it mean to trust Jesus when you're feeling discouraged about your life or guilty about your past? The answer to all of those is going to be various promises in God's word that we need to know if we're going to be able to trust Jesus when those circumstances come up. So learn God's promises. Okay, so here's, here's what we've seen so far this morning. Here's why faith is so important, first of all. The only way that you can be clothed with the perfect righteousness that you need in order to be welcomed by a holy God is through faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Jesus. It's the only way. That's the key that opens up the door to the treasure room full of God's love and kindness and goodness and benevolence towards you. The only way is by faith. Are you trusting Jesus? And then what does faith mean? Faith means trusting God for your needs, longings, 
concerns according to his promises in Christ Jesus. That's what faith means. Trusting God for your needs, longings, concerns, issues, questions, disappointments, discouragements, pains, wonderments, whatever. Trusting God for your needs according to his promises, which are true in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. There's a place on your sheet there where you can fill in a need. What's your need? It's that blank spot right there, right? Real small so nobody else sees. But I want you to think, there's, every single one of us has some need right now that we're not trusting the Lord for enough. You've got one. What is it? What are you worried about? What are you preoccupied with? What is discouraging you? What's giving you some fret, some fear, like we sang about earlier this morning? What is it? Jot it down right there. What is my need, my longing that right now I need to trust Jesus, trust his promises to do for me? What is it? Then the second blank is to write down a promise. And if you needed some help on that, right below that section, I've got some topics right there. And then a couple of promises that would be helpful depending on that topic. There's a worry area. There's a finance area. There's a need for wisdom area. There's all these different topics and some promises. What I want you to do is, and you'll, you can work on this later on today. We'll get it all done now, obviously. But pick a promise. You've got to have a promise. What are you going to trust Jesus to do if you don't have a promise of what he said he's going to do? So what are you going to trust him to do? What's the promise? Write it down there. And then here's what I want you to do later on today. I want you to talk to Jesus about your need. Talk to him about it. Explain what you're dealing with, what you're frustrated about, what's causing you heart pain, what's causing you fear, worry, guilt, shame, difficulty, discouragement. Tell him about it. And talk to him about his promise. Jesus, you've promised that you would supply all of my needs. I need a job here. You've promised that you would lift fear off of me as I trust you. Would you come and do that? Whatever the promise might be, trust his promise. Talk to him about his promise. Thank him for his promise. Ask him to help you trust his promise. Ask him to meet you in the promise. And pray over your need and his promise until he meets you. Until the living Jesus meets you satisfies your heart with his nearness, strengthens you in trusting him, gives you guidance, gives you a word, gives you direction. That may mean you're going to hit it again later on tonight, or you're going to pray about it again tomorrow. He will meet you. So bring your need with the promise before Jesus and talk to him about it, lay it at his feet, surrender it all to him, trust him for it until the living Jesus comes and he meets you and he satisfies you and he strengthens you. That's what it means to trust Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to call you to do. All these different needs that we have here. Here's the good news. You will never again face a need that Jesus hasn't promised to take care of in some way. You'll never again face a need that you need to bear alone. Every need you have now, every need you will have ever Jesus Christ stands before you ready and waiting. Bring it to me. I've got promises for that need. Bring it to me. Talk to me about it. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will guide you. I will comfort you. I will satisfy you. I will meet you. Bring it to me. Don't ever again, after this morning, hold back any need from Jesus. Bring it to him. Trust his promise and let him meet you in it. Let's stand together. I want to pray this over us.
an amazing thing, Lord Jesus, that there's not a need that we face now, there's not a need we will ever face that you aren't ready to take care of. What a glorious, merciful Savior you are. And I pray for each of us. We all have needs now. Would you bring your power upon us now? Would you spark, stir more faith in you now that we would be bringing these needs to you, searching out your promises, and trusting you to do what you've promised to do? I pray that you do that right now, Lord. So as Dave leads us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to to bring your need to Jesus. And you may be bringing it and saying, I don't know what a promise is. Lead me to one. In your word, somebody in my home group I could call this afternoon. or But lead me to the promise and then meet me. Pray that right now. And I want us to, to pray for people where you've got a, a, a need that you, you especially are just feeling. It, it may be a need that you've held back from the Lord or that you didn't know you can bring to the Lord. We'd love to pray with you and and stand with you as you bring that to the Lord Jesus. So as Dave leads us, come on forward and just be up here in front. Um, One of the prayer ministry team people will be here to pray with you. Just be in the front rows of the seats here. But let's all, as Dave leads us now, as he sings, leads us in this worship, let's bring our needs to Jesus. So Lord, meet us now as we bring our needs before you. Do the things you've promised to do. Direct us to the promises you want to speak to us. And strengthen us. And help us. And meet us. For the glory of your name. Come and do that, Lord.